the fruit of his messages came from those holy hours, right? That he attained disciples in those holy hours and then just had to cast the net. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your seasonal Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined today by Dave, the birthday boy, Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? I'm good. My birthday's next week, actually. So you're close. Re- I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. You know who I went out for Coke Zeros with on his Ooh. birthday? Father David Hust. It was good oh. fun. He is going to be uh, so in a jealous. show. We're going to record him as a guest here pretty soon. But yeah, he was. He just turned 41. And after we finished feasting, it was me, him, and Thomas Jaeger. We all had a great time. As the lady was clearing out our plates, I looked at her and said, do you do anything for birthday boys? <laughs> the whole restaurant, the kitchen staff came no, out. No, come on. We oh, were like, awesome. this is for the priest. <laughs> they all sang, you know, their, their version of the happy birthday song, which was in Spanish because uh, we were at Mexican place. And we I had no idea what was going on. And then right in the middle of the song, she takes a scoop from the, the flan and she yeah. put it right on his nose. Is that true? That's yes. Awesome. And he was wearing a sombrero, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to getting him canceled when I put that photo online. It'll yeah, be right. Exactly. It'll be beautiful. Speaking of beauty, we have a special guest today. How about that for a segue? I That's like pretty it. nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. We got Bonnie Engstrom on the phone. Bonnie, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Are you are you in Peoria, Peoria Heights, or Peoria area? I'm in the no? Peoria area. I live on the other side of the river. Let it be known. So I'm in central Illinois, but I live in Washington, Illinois. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now we brought you on because you have a very special bond with the venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen. And I was recently in Peoria Heights giving a talk. Super bummed that we didn't get to meet up. And I didn't realize that we could have because I didn't realize you were from there. Until after I yeah, was on I the sent plane. your wife an angry text message when yeah. I found out. Yeah, and then she <laughs> screenshotted it and sent it to me and uh, filled me with, with nothing but regret. Sorry. Which, you know, is standard for our marriage. But uh, we wanted to have you on here. I fell in love. So I got to tour the Sheen Museum, mm-hmm. right? His birthday is May 8th, and that's when I discerned when I was going to quit my parish job and go into full-time, you know, travel ministry with that man as you and stuff. Yeah, and uh, like, I love the man. I love him so much. He was such an important part of my of my journey. So I just wanted yeah. to start off because he is a master evangelist. Like it, the missions was absolutely central to his heart. He used to take the money from the television show and just send it right to what what was that called? The propagation for the faith. Yeah. yeah, for the faith. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he always was doing mission work. There's great photos of him all over the world. There's a funny one of him sitting on the ground wearing his clerics. In Africa, next to like, like amongst an African tribe, and he's yeah. sitting there. And he's just, I like, love that picture. Yeah, yeah, eye to eye smile. So, yes. uh, how did you first get into Archbishop Fulton Sheen? Well, can I ask, Dave? Do you do you know Fulton Sheen? Do you have a devotion or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He well, he hates him. I mean, oh, uh, no. as far as devotion, I feel like <laughs> I feel like this is gonna sound terrible, but whenever I have a talk to give, the first thing I do is see if he gave it, like if he gave anything <laughs> close to that. And I, and I try to seal everything that he said. Right. So that's including the no, obscure yeah, anti-communist references that he <laughs> weaves. Into his. Excellent. No, he, no, no, I, I love, there was definitely a time when I just went back and consumed everything I could. And yeah. then, you know, recently with all the news and everything, 
people started publishing tons of stuff. So now I've been, I've been doing it again. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I grew up in central Illinois where Fulton Sheen was born and raised. And in a, in a way, my entire life, I have known who Fulton Sheen was because my grandparents would reference him or you'd see, you know, like driving through certain towns, you'd see like Fulton Sheen birthplace, Fulton Sheen was raised here, whatever. And, um, but I confess that for the longest time, guys, I did not, it was just a very surface level knowledge of who he was. I remember being in college and flipping through the channels and seeing him on EWTN and like he was, you know, black and white and he had those dark, deep set eyes and like hollow cheekbones and he was like flipping his cape. And I was just like, who is this vampire kind of guy on EWTN? Nosferatu has arisen. Yeah, I know. Some people don't like it when I say that, but I just have to be honest that my first impression, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know what this is about. And I just kept going. But yeah, there was that element of, of what, what, what would you call it? Vaudeville, that theatricality yes. that he wove into. That was just the thing of the 50s. Right. It was part of, yeah, it was how television was in the 50s. I think very close to kind of the stage, I would, I would say. Yeah. But as as I, you know, just a few years later, I remember hearing about his cause opening in our diocese and I'm very blessed to live very close to Peoria. And so if something's happening at the cathedral, that's like a 20 minute drive for me. And I can, you know, I hear the news, I know what's happening. And so that kind of, you know, that sent my antenna up and I started paying a little bit more attention to him, yeah. but it wasn't until I was pregnant with my third child that I really kind of started really paying attention. I was, a, you know, I was a stay at home mom and I had, I was pregnant with my third kid in three years and <laughs> <laughs> I I needed some, I needed something to bolster me. And I started watching YouTube videos of him preaching and old episodes of his show, Life is Worth Living. So that's how I really encountered him. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, love him. It. My, my first encounter with him was EWTN, I think was showing life is worth living episodes. And I remember the, they were the black and white ones and I would walk by my mom watching, but she's like, Oh, you got to hear this guy. He's incredible. And so I, I remember standing there listening to him talk and, you know, honestly, I was transfixed by his style. Like when he's, he has that voice that shakes, right. but it like, right. it hits you and holds you. And so he was yeah. delivering the, I don't even know. Uh, I can't remember what the exact thing was. But after that, I was like, I want to hear more of this guy. So my mom bought on audio cassette the Life is Worth Living, all the collection of, of audio tapes, right, yeah. from it. So it was like three or four television show episodes per cassette tape. And I listened to all of them. That, and then she got the um, priest retreat that was really famous that he did. Oh, yes. Yeah. What, what, what was that called? Even the titles of his of his things were just incredible. I don't remember. Yeah, the book is called The Priest. I don't think it's a priest, is not his own. Yeah, that, I was going to say the same. It? I don't think that's okay. the name of the retreat, though. I don't remember. But he he did this phenomenal, like, he had this one joke that I, I've, I've told a thousand times to priests when I do priest events, which is, you know, he was talking about the demoniac, the spirit of the demoniac. And he can always tell when he speaks about the cross, which priests are going to leave the priesthood in his retreats that he does. And he said he was giving a, a, a conference and he was speaking about the cross and he begins to notice this man agitating the whole time. He's like, the demonic loves theology, but they hate the cross. So he walks over to the bishop and he's like, good bishop, I need to talk to you. There is a man here who will leave the priesthood before the retreat is over. And he said, it is that man over there. And and he's saying this to priests. So this is what makes it so funny. He said, this man, uh, he's like, not him, not him. 
Uh, he's our best educated. He, he studied in Rome. He works for the chancery, for God's sake. And then all the priests <laughs> that he's telling that to, they all bust up laughing. Yeah. They're of like, course. of course, that's, right. <laughs> that is the very spirit of the bunny. You know, and he said, and he didn't last the end of the first day. The guy wow. abandoned the priesthood all at, all at once. That's so awesome. Yeah. And I just remember listening to these things. And that was when I was a high school kid, probably a junior or senior, trying to discern whether or not I should go into seminary. And to understand that a priest is not his own, that a priest is meant to be a sacrifice, like that sealed that the deal for Gomer. That he yeah, could yeah, that sealed it. I'm being a lay person. <laughs> you know, because I just I, care about self care. Like it's like a priority right? for me. No. <laughs> I remember. I remember uh, when social media was first a thing, and it was so simple. There, you know, people would post quotes without saying who they're from, and so many times I'd be like, "Oh my gosh." Who is this prophet? You know, thinking I and I would think it was like our time. I mean, that was the yeah. thing about that's the yeah. thing about his writings and speech and, yep. and his speeches. Like you think like he hits you right at the heart so many years later, so many decades later. It's amazing. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. I love my takeaway from what Gomer said was that while I was writing him off as being a vampire in high school, Gomer was drawn in to him. Like, <laughs> good for you for being way holier than this is Bonnie. the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, <laughs> but, but totally the way he speaks, it is both elevated, you know, like he, but yeah, yeah, it's not right. above anyone's head. No, that was the no. thing that I loved about yeah. him. Like if I'm reading JP two, it takes me an hour <laughs> to really get through a page even like there's so much depth there. And it's written in a way that for me is very hard to, to get through. I'm a person of average intelligence. Right. And like JB2. <laughs> I am and, a modest woman of means. <laughs> <laughs> I am Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, like a lot of those great thinkers are really, they're hard for me to read, but Fulton Sheen, he is saying things that are deep and wide and true. And he's saying them in a way that I can understand them yeah. and that that's priceless. You can't put a price right. on that. It's right. And that's right. why he laughs. Like what Dave was saying, things he said in the 1950s and sixties are still ringing true today. And sometimes in a terrifying way, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. I love it. Yeah. yeah I, I agree. That That's the, the thing that separates him from so many peers that are great orders, but, there's something about him that he can take the most complicated topics mm -hmm. and present it in like not just a simple way. I mean, it's not overly simplistic at all, but just an inspiring way, yeah. a way that is evangelistic, a way that is philosophical. It, I mean, it really is like something that's blows my mind. Recently, my deck has become like the meeting place for priests now. And I don't know how I feel about it, but, but I'm okay <laughs> with it. But recently I was talking to my Opus Dei friend, Father Marty, Miller and he was telling me the story about when he had gotten back from I guess finishing his PhD and the bishop assigned him to like a no-name parish in the middle of nowhere and it was all like a test like he wanted to see will he do this mm -hmm. and once he kind of passed it it was like okay you're meant for the whole church like just you go do what you're supposed to do so yeah yeah, yeah. I was so impressed by that you know yeah. Because I'm the opposite, right? Right. It's like, how dare you, Cindy? <laughs> you know? No, yeah. and for Fulton Sheen, the other thing was like he had just graduated from Louvain, which is a very prestigious university, and he excelled there, like graduated with honors upon honors. And so for him, you know, to come back to Peoria, Illinois, and then not only to like this little town, I mean, everyone knows Chicago, Illinois, but People don't care of any, you know, right. they don't care Anything about else, any of right. us downstate. And so uh, Peoria is the home of Pabst Blue Ribbon. Well, PBR. 
Yeah. So like, no no yes. surprise he knows that. Um, <laughs> Richard Richard Pryor is also from Peoria. Oh, Illinois. there you go. There you go. Um, play in Peoria. Yeah. yeah. But but just to be sent to this little parish on the south side of Peoria that had like dwindling attendance. And then not right. only did he go there, but like he wasn't just at the church. He went out to the neighborhood. He walked the city streets. He knocked on doors. He invited people to come back. I mean, not only did the people start coming back to church, but he was converting souls like the confirmation classes, the RCIA classes, they were full. And it was because, you know, like Pope Francis said, he smelled like his sheep, like he was out there among the people. And I think it's really powerful too, that like they knew who he was. He grew up in Peoria. His parents managed a farm right outside of Peoria. So he wasn't, it wasn't like, I think that people saw him showing that he hadn't gotten too big for his britches. Do you know what I I mean? Right. So, and so <laughs> like when he worked on the farm with his parents, he was a really lousy farmhand and everyone knew that. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. That's, they, that's yes, so interesting. They would totally talk smack about him. Like your son can't drive a team of horses. You should be worried about your son. You know? <laughs> oh, how funny. <laughs> Embarrassing. Yeah. Wasn't his name originally Peter? Wasn't that his like birth name? Uh, but everyone he, called him yeah, the Peter Fulton. John Sheen. Yeah. Uh, but his mom's maiden name was Fulton. And so his maternal grandparents would take him out for walks when he was little. He had yeah. tuberculosis and he would just cry and cry and cry. And they would say, here comes Fulton, meaning like the Fulton family. But then that became his uh, nickname. So, yeah. Isn't that yeah. funny? Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. You know, the the thing is, interestingly, about how he never, never really did become like too big. You know, he never really believed his own legend is and and maybe i'm wrong like maybe i'm just being judgmental but it seems like a lot of times when personalities become bigger their messages often become bigger right like more adaptable to wider audiences yes and he is kind of the opposite right like at the end he was preaching fire and brimstone mm-hmm. like a gospel that you're like wow this is tough to hear and good to hear like he didn't care about it didn't seem to me like he was trying to widen his audience to the as far as like watering down the message or anything yeah. like that you know make it palpable for the masses yeah. right yeah right. i would agree right. i would agree what were some of his last his last talks like I, I i'm trying to think of what he wrote and said at the end of his life he got pretty scathing about the culture after vatican ii there were some of those you know because yeah. mm-hmm. he mostly yeah, he, was, he saw things that he saw things stuff, that we right? didn't see that people didn't see yeah he mostly yeah. dedicated himself to priest ministry after right. vatican ii right right like towards the end of his life and it was also at at that point that he was writing his autobiography, mm. Life is Worth Living. And if you've read that, then you'll see how, I think it's interesting, Dave, that you said he talked about f- more fire and brimstone, because I think that also correlates with him doing, like examining his own life, which he was mm. definitely doing in Treasure and Clay. And he talks about like when he was a bishop in Rochester, New York, and how he, in a lot of ways, he wasn't considered a successful bishop and how he probably loved the pageantry and the honor that he received too much. Um, I, I love that he's honest about that, that he like, yeah. he sees the sin, he names the sin, and you can tell that he is repentant of that sin. I think all of those things were, in the late 70s, he had a series of heart surgeries that left him weaker and weaker. And so I, I think he was really trying to, again, examine his life and and make things right. He definitely had he- like, you know, heaven, hell, judgment, all of that was on his mind. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's cool. Yeah, I do. I would like to hear the story about James. Are we going to? Can we get into that, Gomer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are we allowed to do that? Here? Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. yeah Why don't you tell us a little son? bit about yeah the yeah sure so my like I said when I was pregnant with my third 
child. That was when I really started watching his YouTube videos and everything. Not that he was making Foam Machine, the first YouTuber. Wouldn't that have been great? But anyways, so James was my son that I was pregnant with at that time. And I had a really, we had had two previous home births. I had had a really good, healthy pregnancy. And I remember, you know, talking with my husband, Travis, as we're like kind of taking in Fulton Sheen and, and saying, you know, like his cause is open in, in Peoria. He's going to be a saint. Like, obviously, you know, look at, listen to this man. He's going to be a saint. So let's name this baby Fulton, after Fulton Sheen. And so during that pregnancy, I really, we knew we were going to name him James Fulton. And, but we put him under Bishop Sheen's patronage. And like on a daily basis, almost a daily basis, I would ask for Fulton Sheen's prayers over the pregnancy, over the life of my baby, et cetera. And like I said, everything went really well. And we had a home birth. It was beautiful, you guys. I'm glad you weren't there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we would have made a live podcast, I think is what we're saying. Yeah, maybe uh, next time. Next yes, time. maybe next time. Maybe next just, time. Yeah. But um, it was if if you would have been there, like I, everyone in the room could tell that some. It was like just it was bathed in prayer. It was bathed. It just felt like the Holy Spirit was with us, you know. And um, there are so many jokes I want to make right now. Don't don't. But make I am them. restraining myself. Thank you. It's and a beautiful I, moment. And <laughs> I should say, like, just for context, I've had eight kids, and so that I can really, I really mean that, like, this was different than all the other mm. seven. Um, laborers and delivery. We didn't know that there was a knot in James's umbilical cord. And so while the labor progressed really well, it was during the delivery, the knot tightened and it tightened so tightly that it cut off his blood supply, cutting off his oxygen supply so that when James was born, he was a stillborn. So, um, you know, my midwife, she put him in my arms and, you know, sometimes babies need to be kind of like stimulated after birth. And so she was trying to, we were trying to kind of jostle him, like slap his butt. You know what I mean? You know, where yeah, you hold the yeah. baby upside down, smack their butt and they breathe. Um, but he wasn't doing that. And and so they took him out of my, my hands and laid him on the ground and um, they could not find a pulse anywhere. He, you know, oh. he was, he was kind of a bluish gray color um, and he wasn't moving. He wasn't crying. And so they started um, CPR and my husband um, grabbed a cup of water and did an emergency baptism on James. And as an an aside for to provide some context, my husband and I, we name all of our kids very intentionally assigning a saint to each of our children. And we believe that when we, you know, when we speak their names, we are invoking the name of that saint. Mm -hmm. Um, so like if I say Joseph, Peter, knock it off, you know, like Uh St. Joseph and St. Peter have both been invoked to to pray (laughs) that Joseph will knock it off. Right. Like, (laughs) or they themselves are terrified. Uh, I'm sorry, mom. Oh God. Wait, no. Okay. (laughs) Yes. So, (laughs) so, so when Travis baptized James and, you know, spoke his name, James Fulton, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That we, you know, we believe that was the first invocation of Bishop Sheen in that moment. And we had a friend who was present. She was a former NICU nurse and she had been praying the rosary. And when she heard Travis say James's name during the baptism, she had this vision of Bishop Sheen on his ordination day mm. and just had this overwhelming sense that like God was in that moment and Bishop Sheen was in that moment, like his prayers were there. The third thing that happened was 
So she, after that moment of prayer, like this mystical moment, it ended. And then she went and called 911. We just kind of waited. And I remember sitting there on my bedroom floor and in my head saying his name over and over again, Fulton Sheen, Fulton Sheen, Fulton Sheen. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have words. I'm sure you guys have been in crisis situations where you could not think you could not put together the words. But for six months, I had been asking Bishop Sheen to pray for my son on a daily basis. And so kind of in that moment, that was who I called on. He could find the words, right? So the paramedics came, they took James in an ambulance. The entire time at home, the entire time in the ambulance, he had no heartbeat. He was hooked to a heart monitor. He had what they call... um, PEA on the monitor, pulseless electrical activity. So instead of like a flat line on the heart monitor, there was like just little squiggles. Wow. But legally you can be declared dead, right? If you have those, if you're PEA on the monitor. So the whole 20 minute ride, he was PEA on the monitor and he gets to the emergency room and they work on him for about 20 minutes. And he continues to be PEA on the monitor, all the medications, everything they're trying to do to restart his heart. Nothing is happening. Like they're, they'll, they would give him a shot of something, do a sonogram of his heart. They could see his heart, like his heart muscle would twitch in response, but never an organized pulse. So finally, the neonatologist who had come down from the NICU, she said, all right, try for five more minutes and then call it. So the emergency room team, they tried for five more minutes Nothing worked. So everyone took their hands off of James to call time of death. And as soon as they did that, his heart started to beat. It shot up to a healthy heart rate of 147 beats per minute, and it never stopped again. And so then it was all hands back on deck to get him stable. And they sent him up to the NICU. But altogether, he had been dead for 61 minutes from his birth to when his heart started again over an hour. That is so fantastic. That story. <laughs> that is like, uh, man, I'm like uh, catching my breath here. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. How old is James now? He's almost 13. Oh my In September, gosh. he'll be 13. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So we spent uh, seven weeks in the NICU. And even before they added up all of, all of the time, when they just knew he had been in the emergency room for 20 minutes without a heartbeat, they expected him to have massive organ failure and for him to die. Yeah. But, you know, he lived through the night. He lived through the weekend. He lived. And by the end of the week, everyone was just shocked. And they still they still warned us. Okay, so he's going to survive. But you're probably looking at a kid who's never going to be able to walk. He's never going to be able to talk. He'll probably be blind. There was just this list of all of these things that um, if, you know, it felt like God had given us this gift, then God took the gift away. Then God gave it back. And then piece by piece, he was being taken away from us again is what it felt like, which was, you know, (laughs) the Lord and I had words, (laughs) (laughs) but in the end, you know, 13 years later, James is, I mean, I mean, he walks, he talks, he makes his own chicken nuggets, you know? <laughs> so that's the important part for yeah. sure. And he can drive sure. a team of horses like nobody's yeah. business. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. That is, thank you. It yeah. is. It is. And, and the book, the book is where you talk about this. 61, I, uh, 61 minutes to a miracle yeah. is the name okay. of the book. Yeah. It's a real that quick read. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I know. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, no. oh, it, just, it just kills me, like, just imagining everyone in the room, right? It was so beautiful, and then all of a sudden, like, the like the floor falls out from underneath your feet, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As I was going to say, what's one of the things that's amazing is, you know, living in the Peoria area, the ER doctor who was respond who was like overseeing James's birth. Like he also coaches the cross country team for one of our local Catholic schools. <laughs> and I saw him at a track meet and I was like, do you remember who I am? <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know that he has asthma, so he can't run, but like, thank you. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's it awesome. is. It is. It's really beautiful. So, Bonnie, before we started recording, you mentioned one of your kind of callings is like to tell young people about Fulton Sheen. And you said in particular, there was a reason why you thought he appealed. Yeah. To young people. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. the reason that one of the things in, in Fulton Sheen's autobiography, Treasure and Clay, he tells a bunch of stories about his childhood where he's telling stories about when he got in trouble, when he made mistakes, things that he did that are so relatable. And so I actually, I took all of those stories and I wrote a children's book, sorry for the shameless plug, but it's called Fulton Sheen and the Very Bad Week, where I took all of those (laughs) stories from his childhood and I put them in one week. And when, and I have the pleasure of like Skyping in and going to local classrooms and talking with kids and the kids love it because And I think adults do this too, where we think of sainthood as something that is for people who live in Italy or for people who are super holy, and I can never attain that level of holiness. But for a child to see, oh, he made mistakes, like he got in trouble for doing something that he didn't do. I get in trouble for doing things that I didn't do, you know, like you can relate. And it's, it is so engaging to children to, to see saints and saints from little insignificant towns in central Illinois that no one really cares about. <laughs> you know, no one really cares Again, about Pabst that. Again, Pabst Blue Ribbon. It's gotten me through a lot of lonely nights. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't undersell it. That I'm sorry. Full I'm sorry. Right now I'm against you. <laughs> as, as I, I love central Illinois. It's, I think it's the best. But It's all right. It's all, all right. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Salt of but, the earth. <laughs> um, to see kids' faces and their eyes light up when they make that connection. You don't have to be perfect all the time. You can make mistakes. We can seek God's forgiveness. Do you know what I mean? Like that is so powerful and it's so inspiring to kids. And and again, that's, that's why I love Bishop Sheen. He's just a guy that God gave him talents. He saw what his talents were and it didn't matter, you know, what he could or couldn't do in other areas. He focused on what God was asking of him and he did that well. Yeah, I, yeah. That, that is inspiring. Yeah. And it's so easily followed. Yes. Right? Like, yeah, right, yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's great. I, I think just saints in general are like a secret to evangelizing kids, you know, like yeah. they don't see, right. I mean, I keep explaining to these people that like I'm trying to like slowly draw out of the pits of hell, right? That I'm trying to disciple. Like you're not seeing you don't know what normal is for Catholicism right now. Like mm-hmm. you, you just don't. Like you go to mass and you're not seeing what it should be like, you know. And I think the saints kind of can bridge that gap where you're like, this is a normal answer to the call of Catholicism, right? This yeah. is what we're all supposed to be doing. Yeah. But yeah. Dave, you had this great line that you said about St. Francis of Assisi that I think of all the time, which is uh, he loved the Lord the way he deserved to be loved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about the first that. time I had ever heard, seen someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that in the lives of so many saints where finally, like finally, someone unlike me is saying yes without 
hesitation you know yeah and and it's so moving and to me i don't know if 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 we want to do like story time but like when it comes to fulton sheen when i was walking through the museum the thing that i that shocked me that i had no idea of was that he was a bi-ritual priest and and bishop that he belonged to um yeah that he was and he would he had the full regalia of the byzantine bishop and he would go and celebrate divine liturgy and i don't think anyone really knew that side of him in terms of like my parents like their knowledge of right. Sheen. they were like what right. were never and they used to watch him all the time sheeny they would watch sheeny on the telly <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it, you know and and then seeing him laboring so much for the mission field and for drawing attention to the mission field you know you think of this guy like we kind of you know, we have our celebrity priests and our celebrity bishops and our, you know, and, and usually they're the reason why they're celebrities because they're great communicators. Right. But Sheen was all of that. And then something more. Yeah. The next book I buy from him, I want it to be his doctoral thesis or, you know, that book. Yes. What was it called? God. And yeah, it's on it. It's metaphysical. Whatever it was, it was like they had to do something special for his defense. Like they had to bring people in. Did you oh, know that? Not just the yeah. professors. Yeah, it, yeah, it was something more than like a normal defense. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he was famous in academia by graduation. Yeah. Like people knew yes. who he was, and I, I think I'm pretty sure that even the bishop got flack for being like, "Why are you sticking him yeah. here when there's all these seminaries that want him?" You know. Yep. Yep. He yeah. did. It's he interesting. Did. I, I love it. I love it. What, what's an interesting story that you have, Bonnie, of his that maybe we haven't talked about? What What stands out? Yeah. One of my favorite stories is that this is this is more of a miracle story, but he had a. We'll take it. Okay, good. Yeah, (laughs) there was. I mean, if you look over Dave's shoulder, there's like a hundred relics. So wow, there is. Yeah, there's no Fulton Sheen, Bonnie. You could pull some strings for me. Right, (laughs) lift the lid, take a lock of the hair, send it to Dave. Um, I want to stay in a good spot with the diocese. So yeah, right. Good point. Yeah. I got a figure. I just broke it off. I ran. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he lived in in his apartment building. There was a boy whose piano teacher had been at Auschwitz, and whatever everything that she went through at Auschwitz, she was not able to have a baby later mm. in life. Mm. And so this little boy's piano teacher or this little boy at his piano lessons, he told her, you should meet my neighbor, Bishop Sheen. And so I don't know how they made the connection, but <laughs> they did. And so this Jewish piano teacher, Holocaust survivor, met Bishop Sheen and he basically prayed over her and said, you will conceive. God will heal you and you will conceive. And nine months later, she had a baby. Oh, that is the Isn't best that amazing? Story. I love it. I love it. I, I also love that he didn't like hit her. He didn't say you have to convert. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. saw the pain right. and everything she that she had been through and he met her where she was and he knew that God would take care of the rest. Mm. Do you know what I you mean? What I, yeah. You know what I love about that story is it was a neighbor, right? I yeah. mean, he had, so this is a, this is a mark of, I, I whenever I meet like a hero of mine, like the church. I always want to look for certain things. Like one of them is, do they do works of mercy? Okay. The second thing is, what are they like after the talk when they talk to thousands of people like Omer? Like, what does he do on the plane 
with the person next to him? Like, is he still trying to evangelize? And there's like hundreds of stories of Fulton Sheen meeting singular people like that, investing in them and evangelizing them. And that says something. I think. Yes. Yeah. 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 I just fall asleep on the plane. I really, I, just, I, I like, I open. sweat and I'm like, please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. The last time I fell asleep on the plane, I bit my tongue because apparently my tongue was hanging out of my mouth. How about oh, that? Oh, no. How about that? That's funny. That's, That's for the glory of God, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, the crazy yeah. thing was the person sitting next to me, they became Catholic because of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> just a piano teacher, not a survivor of anything. No, just a okay, piano okay. teacher. It was beautiful. Yeah. No, I love that in the in the biography video, his I want to say it was one of his assistants or or like a secretary that was friends with him came over to his house one day and his Emmy was uh, oh, yeah. sitting yeah. on top of the a stack of papers on top of like the radiator in the entryway. Yes. <laughs> like he was very happy to get it. He was very grateful to get it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't it didn't mean that. You know what yeah. it would mean to other. People. Well, that is worth mentioning that he was he was wildly popular. He beat Milton Berle, right? Yeah, and then right. Milton Berle apparently I was corrected was the one who said it's hard to beat someone when his writing team is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Oh, yeah. that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I think that well, and okay, so a lot of people don't know who Milton Berle is anymore, right? But there are at least Milton that's Burles. what I've encountered when I say, "Ooh, he beat Milton Berle." People, there's like blank faces, but there yeah. are still some people who know who Frank Sinatra is, and so I'll even say, you know, he was on TV opposite Frank Sinatra. And that's like, I don't know, if if Justin Bieber right. had a variety show, right? Yeah, and instead right, yeah. of tuning in for Justin Bieber, they were tuning in for Bishop Sheen. Like that's how and he had like millions of people who watched him, including Jewish people and Protestants. That's right. the other thing that's amazing about him is that you were talking, Dave, about how he didn't he didn't broaden the message so that it became watered down. But it was it was broad enough that everyone wanted yeah. some of something that, like they all knew that they could learn from him and be edified from him but it was still genuinely catholic that was right. the beautiful thing yeah i guess it. lighten the message would be the better phrase like he didn't lighten it you know yes. he didn't he didn't pull punches he didn't yes. pull punches yeah, yeah. I, awesome. I love that about him yeah, yeah. milton burl was originally born mendel berlinger mm. <laughs> Homer, why do you always you always have these things? The, isn't Milton Berle the one when uh, Kramer gets his set and puts it in his apartment? Isn't that Mil- Milton yeah, Berle? Yeah, when he takes and he, he, Milton Berle always has a cigar with him. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. That's he was how so I funny. Yeah. Uncle yeah. Milty. So think about this. Uncle Milty was the first American television star during the oh, golden age okay. of television, and he lost to Archbishop Fulton Sheen. That's awesome. <laughs> right. Right. When yeah, you think about awesome. that, like, I mean, he won a ton of other, other awards and all right. that stuff, but it's just fascinating to see this. And there were only three channels uh, on television. At yes. That time. Yes. So would Milton Berle have been like the Jerry Seinfeld? Yeah. Would have been, or Johnny, yeah. more, or more like a Jimmy Fallon? I don't know. Uh, okay. How dare you compare those two? But um, he would, Sorry. he would be more like a, a Jerry Seinfeld in terms of, okay. you know, it was the number one biggest show on television. Gotcha. You know, and then you're competing with it. Like what competed, you know, everyone knew like Fox and CBS are all like, what are we going to put up against? Right. Right. Again, you know, you try to put up not a sitcom, but the exact like a drama because it's like the people who won't want sitcoms. Maybe we'll watch your show. Yeah. And it's like, we're going to watch a bishop talk to us for 27 minutes about <laughs> communism, Christ and, uh, yeah. you know, and, going demonic. To the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. and fasting and fasting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
We're going to break here and hear a great message from our wonderful people at Ascension Press. We love being a part of that community. And as always, we love to hear from you. Gomer, what do they text? Oh, they text EKSB to 33777 to get on our email list. We will not spam you at all. Maybe. We will maybe probably we will ham you. We'll yeah. ham it up with you with our show notes. If you do get a message from me saying like I'm in Nigeria and need you to wire me $28,000, that is real. Actually. Yeah, you that hit reply. Right. So, you hit right. reply to that. Right. Dave's going to go after Boko Haram. It's really weird. But <laughs> anywho, three EKSV to 33777. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Cavins, and I'm excited to introduce you to the Ascension app. It contains the full text of the Great Adventure Bible, the full text of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and both the Bible and Catechism in a Year podcasts. The app has special features that make the connections between the Bible and the Catechism crystal clear, like color-coded crosslinks and easy navigation. It also answers nearly 1,000 questions from Bible in a Year listeners, about the Bible with videos from myself and others, also audio clips and excerpts from Ascension's popular books. To download the app, simply go to the App Store on your phone and search Ascension. I hope you enjoy it. I enjoy it. Carry it around everywhere I go. And we are back with a nice, gentle transition from that wonderful hat. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 this has been a scream. fun interview. Yeah, this is fun. This is yeah. fun. Yeah. I knew Bonnie would be a hoot and a half. Huh? Oh, would, would you describe yourself as a hoot and a half? I would say that I probably showed up with only one hoot, but I'll do my yeah. best to pull out the other half right now. No, so. yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Well, that's why Dave's here. He's half yeah, hoot. Exactly. Yeah. I'm half hoot. <laughs> <laughs> A hoot, a half a hoot. <laughs> uh, so we all know that Sheen was an incredible order, right? I mean, his his rhetorical skills were off the charts. The fact that he would, people don't know, is he would write out his talk, try to memorize it, and then write it in French to see if he memorized it, yeah. and then walk on stage and give it from memory. Like, how absolutely insane is that? Like, that's incredible. Yeah. But he is a master evangelist. He made many, many converts. So why don't we, uh, at the last portion of today's show, kind of pivot over to that. Like, yeah, what, what do you want to say about him as a, an evangelist and a converter of souls? Yeah, well, I think, so he traveled the world, right? Like he worked for the propagation of the faith um, and he literally went to like every continent except for Antarctica, I guess, but, um, and, and preached, he spread the gospel all over, you know, and there's this really cute story. I think you guys probably know that he, on the day of his ordination, he made a promise that he would make a holy hour every single day. And he kept that promise for over 60 years. He made a holy hour every single day of his life. And so there's one day when he was out evangelizing. He got off a train in a town that he didn't know and he need, but he still needed to make that holy hour. And so he's walking around the town trying to find a church and he sees this little boy and says, you know, I'm trying to find a church. And the boy's like, well, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I'm going to give a talk at the church and uh, to tell people about God. And he was like, well, you can't even find the church. How are you going to tell them how to get find God? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> but, but he, he got, you know, he got to that church and, and that, the he talked about how the Eucharist just fueled his life, right? The the writing that he did, the the presentations, everything started before the Blessed Sacrament. And I think that's an important thing to talk about too, is yeah. that for him, evangelization came first and foremost from a personal relationship that he had with Jesus Christ. That was really beautiful. But then it was also it also came from just him being who he was. And I love that. 
Yeah. 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 Prayer precedes evangelization is almost like the mantra of this show. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, if we aren't praying and sacrificing for the people that we want to convert, then we're not. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. Right. And so the power was in the hour, if I could rhyme it. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, it's true. Whoa. Um, Yeah. yeah. The hour of power. Don't be dour or sour. No, stop it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love that story. My, one of my favorite stories is a Catholic actress who had been far from God, and she was on like the doorstep of his church when he was in London mm-hmm. and was drunk. And he's like, who are you? And she's like, you don't know me. And she pointed to a, a billboard, and she's on the billboard. Whoa. And she was drunk, and he said, why are you drinking? Men drink because they like the stuff too much. Women drink because they don't like something. Basically, she was having an affair with two different people. They found out about each other and all this stuff. And so he begins to talk to her and he's like, would you like to go to the church? There's a painting that I think you'd like. And she's like, but I'm not going to confession. He's like, no, that's fine. <laughs> so he's walking around. He's giving her a tour of the church and showing her the paintings. And then they walk by the confessional door and he shoves her in. <laughs> and then here's her confession. And then she repents, converts and becomes a nun. Yeah. Like <laughs> she was. A that's awesome. Right? That, yeah. And the best way is when he told it to the priests. I think it was in the precinct. He goes, and I shoved her in <laughs> and everyone just starts busting out laughing but like that you can't uh, that would be assault if you did not have the lord's timing on these things right and uh, you know, then i shoved her in a tiny room and shut the door you're like yeah. oh brother right but like yeah. this is the thing when you're attuned with the holy spirit that's what she needed yes. right <laughs> I, i've never and nor will i ever do that but like the experience of of that spiritual attunement only comes through a life of prayer yeah. You can't yeah. fake it till you make it. This is no, you have to pray. Yes. And then the the miraculous happens, right? Mm-hmm. Not not the other way around. Yeah. I I think like uh, the it's clear like I mean his message is so simple, right? As far as like he was just preaching Jesus Christ and and there's myriad of people who do that. So I think like we can safely assume that the fruit of his messages came from those holy hours, right? That he attained Mm -hmm. disciples in those holy hours and then just had to cast the net. Right. Oh, that is such a great way to say it. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. And his preaching is also so biblical. I love that too. And I think that's part of what makes it accessible to people is like, you can read Fulton Sheen's book, you can listen to him preach, but then he's basing the foundation is going to be a biblical story, or he's going to call back to a letter from St. Paul or whatever. And so then you can take that, you know, you can take your Bible and you can go to your own holy hour and see how the Lord's going to build on that. I think that is another, just a powerful key that he he used yep. time and time again to not just tell people about Christ, but to kind of show them this is how you build a relationship with Christ, right? Yeah. 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 So awesome. Yeah. Uh, this this is I love this. This has been great. I, I hope you can come on again sometime. The, oh, thanks. We talk about this all the time. How we're kind of like the John Paul II generation, right? That we're, we're like benefiting from him. But yeah. in a lot of ways, like as far as the priesthood goes, we're the Fulton Sheen generation, right? Like a yeah. lot of the priests that have like served us and called us on were Fulton Sheen guys, right? Yes. They they were inspired by him. So yeah. it's awesome. And I can remember, you know, so much of my my formation, it was like turning to Sheen was what I am I don't it's hard to describe it, but like he was almost like a catechism for so yeah. many of us. Like right. a living yeah. breathing catechism. Yeah. Where you're like, what did he say about this topic? Right. Yeah. Yes. And his whole life was but it was it was like a summa for humans, right? Yeah. His life was a summa for humans, right? And so beautiful, so comprehensive, so accessible, like you said. 
and funny. Like he was a kind-hearted man with this stuff, but also he could be severe and serious. And I, I think of to be. how he had a relationship with Pope John Paul, mm-hmm. and he had a relationship with Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he was on his near his deathbed, you know, he's so weak from all these surgeries and issues that he was having. But then she came, she was in New York, I believe, for an event. And she came to visit him and he and they have photos of him immediately brightening up, sitting up in his in his hospital bed and engaged with her. It was it was like an hour or two, two hour conversation. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this incredible moment, and then he died shortly thereafter. But yeah. wait, isn't it he died on December ninth? <clears throat> yes, yes. Not on a Marian feast, day. correct? But in and between, he always prayed to die on a Marian feast. He did. Day, right? Yes, he did. How funny is that, though? I know it's kind of. I yeah. <laughs> because he even said in one of his talks, "The Lord's going to look really foolish if he doesn't answer this request." <laughs> and he died the day after. Yeah. 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 But, you know, you just got to, I, I just, it's Juan Diego's feast day, which I think is still kind of, you know, Juan Diego's yeah, connected to Our yeah. Lady. Yeah. So, but I think it's just because. With a degree of separation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't you feel like when he said that in the talk, God was like, oh, one day later. Yeah. Never, just for saying that. We're going to add eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who does he think he is? Yeah. 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 God bless him. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for being with us, Bonnie. This was great. This This was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it. Where can people find your work, follow you? Um, I really um, am not online very much anymore. (laughs) She's like, I have eight children around Peoria. If you just ask one of them. You can find me in my (laughs) garden. Yeah. Um, I do have an Instagram account. I'm rarely on it. It's at Bonnie Angstrom. That's probably the best place. Gotcha. to go so and then um my children's book is on amazon and 61 minutes is through osv go cool. awesome yeah. cool awesome. i think uh how i first heard about you shana was like get in here get in here and i like come in and there was an instagram post and you had your phone out and catching foxes was on your phone oh yeah like you were listening oh, to it boy. and it's like look look this person that i follow that <laughs> i value as a, as a human person <laughs> And as a Catholic, she, for some bizarre reason, thinks <laughs> you're worth listening. So I like I got value in my wife's eyes at that moment. So thank oh, you. Good. You're welcome. Thank you. And I've been riding that wave ever since. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. So, if, OK, let's give them something to, to think about. Let's give them something to do. OK, so the challenge, what book or thing would you recommend to get access to Sheen if they've never read any of his stuff or listened to any of his talks or anything? Okay. If you don't know anything about Fulton Sheen, I find that Treasure and Clay is a great intro to him and his life. It's a very easy read. Cool. For, for something more spiritual, I love The World's First Love. It's about Mary and it is, that just like blew my mind. It was beautiful, especially the chapter about St. Joseph. And then he has a very thick book on the life of Christ, which is great for just like, if you want to spend five minutes reading that and then in contemplative prayer that is a beautiful guide through the life of christ nice Nice. my thing i always tell people is get the life of christ and then if you're one of those people who you pass the church on your way to and from work or whatever your errands and you can do a stop in do the stop in say some prayers read one chapter because they're all like three or four pages Mm -hmm. right and let that fuel your meditation and you'll have a good 20 minute you know time frame Mm -hmm. or whatever Dave, what would you recommend? 
I'm going to go with the world's first love. That book was life-changing for me. So yeah. it became my first love. If you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is funny. I think mine is the cross and the beatitudes. Mm. Okay. And someone just recently compiled like three or four of his meditations on the cross, the way of love or something like that. Okay. I think didn't Bishop Barron just put something out of his or was that? No, that was Cantilla Mesa. Maybe. Yeah, well, this this one book has like four or five of his meditations on the cross and different aspects of it. And the cross and the Beatitudes is one of it. But I've the Beatitudes are my favorite scripture passage. And it was in my wedding. It was all this stuff. And then it was because someone introduced me to Fulton Sheen's meditation on the Beatitudes oh, wow. as it relates to the cross. Yeah, he said, uh, any man who starts with blessed are the poor in spirit, the wealthy of the world are going to have to kill him. Right. Like it's yeah. this. So the, the mountain of Beatitudes casts its shadow to the cross, the Calvary. Yeah. And, uh, or, or vice versa. And so I just loved. And then, he, of course, he throws in his anti communism thing as they took him to the cross or took him to Calvary. They cut the grass with a sickle and then hammered in the nails. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. America. America. Get him, Reagan. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, oh God is here and he is moving. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Bonnie, for coming yeah. on the show thank as I you. ruin it at the end. Dave, also, thank you for being here. Oh, you're and uh, in anticipation you. of your birthday really nice. day, happy birthday. Oh, you just have to call me. Oh, dang it. Okay. I'll, I'll forget. God bless y'all. Adios. God bless. 